Everybody, welcome to the Rotorol Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined this Thursday by Mr. Denny Carter by Kyle Dvorak. We, we are going to break down the entire Week 16 slate, the fantasy semifinals. Everything is on the line. The holidays, uh, games spread out over nine days this week. Yep, um, there are 14 different broadcast windows for the Christmas week, brought to you by the National Football League. Uh, but you know we're fantasy guys, fantasy in bio. You know as we get accused of all the time on Twitter. Uh, literally, of course, the only thing we care about is John Robinson, Arthur Smith. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell people we delve into this situation on the recent, most recent Galaxy Brains, Denny and I, where I really get into Arthur Smith's feed CPAT tattoo. Um, <laughs> but we just talk a lot about Art and Bijan on that. And just I don't know, like our did we did we talk too much about this this year? Should we have talked about anything else? Other than Bajan Robinson, instead of doing ninety minutes on Bajan every week, yeah. I mean, as it relates to the Falcons, yeah. No, I don't so, want to hear. No, what are we talking about? Kaderil Hodge. I do. I do remember. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. But uh, I, I do remember back. Uh, you know, in the spring or in the summer, you know, people would talk about this offense and say, "Look, I know Arthur Smith messes around. I know that he thinks he's smarter than everyone." And as Pat says. The, the system cannot fail. It can only be failed. But but you take our running back in the top 10, you're going to play him. And you're going to give him 20 touches a, de- a game no matter what. And that, to me, never rang true. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, players don't matter to, to a guy like no, Arthur Smith. No, they don't. They, but don't. They, they, they don't matter at all. You know, actually, we'll talk about this in a second. The Vikings deciding to change their backfield uh, uh, pecking order is 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 a team for, for for whom performance matters, and and that that's exactly the opposite of how the Falcons are operating. Wow, performance! Hold on, I'm just, I got I know no one takes notes by anywhere. I've got a pen. I'm gonna take it. Performance matters. Um, just no, take notes on how to win. And um, it just it just it just really doesn't that that to Arthur Smith it, it doesn't hold any water and that's why Bijan Robinson by the way he was like benched for that fumble he was okay he was so 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 no one is safe no one is safe from Arthur Smith you know what the turning point for the Kyle Shanahan thing was was deciding performance matters it was like <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what we should probably just target uh, Debo George Actually, Kittle right. and Brandon Ayuk a lot. <laughs> And Wasn't Brandon Ayuk doghouse like at the beginning was. of the season two years ago, if I remember correctly? Was maybe it, it might have been last year. Uh, maybe, maybe it was last year. I don't, it was one of the past two years. I know it wasn't this year, obviously. But like that specific benching and then absolutely Brandon Ayuk becoming like a borderline, like his own wide receiver, his own team's wide receiver one. The transition from Ayuk not playing to Ayuk being great was probably the wake up call this guy needed. Of Like, hey. I know at some points you do have to tell players like you can't be making stupid mistakes, but when the alternative is playing a like XFL receiver in his place, <laughs> maybe just a talk on the sideline and immediately playing him again, yep. that message finally clicked. And like you said, it was specifically the Brandon Ayuk benching, but it was that philosophical change that was the turning point for the 49ers. So there's going to be more 49ers talk. There's going to be more Bajan talk. We're talking about every week 16 game. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, who in this case – happens to be us. Unwrap an early Christmas present this Saturday with an NFL doubleheader that all begins at 3 p.m. Eastern as we take you up to kickoff in Pittsburgh between the Bengals and Steelers on NBC and Peacock. Then at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, it's a Peacock-exclusive matchup 
as Josh Allen and the Bills look to stay in the postseason mix when they travel to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. By the way, the National Broadcasting Corporation has also announced the fourth quarter is going to be commercial-free oh. between the Bills and the Chargers. It will be a very interesting broadcast experiment. Hopefully yeah. the game is still close, which brings us, of course, to Bills Chargers. It's the very definition of two teams headed in the opposite direction, Denny. We will start with the 12-point road favorite Buffalo Bills, and the question that is on every fantasy manager's mind was last week a one-off or the beginning of a weekly commitment to Mr. James Cook? who just totally ran all over the Dallas Cowboys. No, I, you know, I, I mentioned last week that, you know, James Cook had quietly had uh, some volume on his side headed into that matchup against, against Dallas. Um, I hope folks uh, heard, heard that and, you know, played them because wow. I mean, li- literally like a week winner, uh, 84 touches for James Cook over the past four games. So that's a lot. Um, importantly, uh, he's been targeted on 38% of his routes over that span. Uh, you look to the first half of the season, he was being targeted on like 16 to 18% of his routes. Uh, it's, it's a it's just a huge change in, I think, the way he's being prioritized in this Buffalo offense post-Ken uh, Dorsey. He has a good matchup. I mean, look, the game script should be wildly on the Bills' side, like it was last week against the Cowboys maybe in a slightly different way, but the Chargers are allowing the fourth highest rushing success rate since week 12. And Chargers opponents, guys, are passing at a 52% clip when leading uh, over the past month. So teams are establishing is what I'm saying against the Chargers. I think James Cook is in for another, uh, at least at least big touch-based day. So we get into very granular analysis and stats on the show, justifiably so. It's where a lot of the good stuff is. Probably can't overlook... Uh, some of the big things of this game where the Chargers do not have a coach. They do not have a quarterback. They you know, have zero is, interest in winning this game. That is one. They don't thing. have a top receiver. And their top it's going to be years it's, past his prime. It's Christmas Saturday. They're making the bills fly literally across the entire country. This just feels like a get in, get out game, AKA feed the ball to the hot running back and hard to overthink James Cook. I believe for week 16, he won you a week in week 15 and he could do it again in week 16. Kyle, uh, you know, wasn't winning weeks last week was Dalton Kincaid. Um, in your nomenclature, he's zero balled. He has only five catches for like 20 yards since Dawson Knox returned two weeks ago. We know there are variables there, including the really weird game script last week where Josh Allen has 15 passes. Uh, but is this how bad is this? Like, is this a blip or is this like our worst fears realized? Oh, yeah, Dawson Knox came back and Dalton Kincaid is no longer reliable in fantasy. It's probably not as bad as like the fantasy box scores would indicate in the two games with Dawson Knox back in the lineup. We're still at a 77% route rate, which is not elite, but it's not terrible. It's better than it was to start the year and a 17% target share, which for tight ends is still really good. Is it the peak of Dalton Kincaid usage? Probably not. And his air yard share is down a meaningful amount as well. But like you said, last week, no one got up to a full route share because they benched all their guys at, at the final 10 minutes of the game or so. So I, I would say I honestly thought it'd be a little bit worse because I like, you know, I had had some good Dalton Kincaid teams. I'm like, oh, we just disappeared. And I would say given that he's running not a full complement of routes, but pretty close to it and seeing still a strong target share. I haven't ranked as a tight end one. There was a point where I had him ranked as a top three to four tight end. I don't think you can comfortably put him in there, but man, tight end position is terrible. He's talented and he's still getting a lot of routes on Josh Allen's offense. That's tight end one, like top 10 at the minimum. It did knock him out of the top five though. I think uh, 30% drop back rates last week for the Bills. So I'm going to guess that that is not going to hold in the long term. 
Hopefully not. It, it is weird. I do worry about it holding this week. Just because this is such a strange a week for target. an extreme run funnel game for the Bills to sustain. Technically, this would be that week. And then next week, too, it's the Patriots. It's another like get So in. technically, it would also be that week. Although, I will say they really like to burn it down against the Patriots. <laughs> I think they've had several games. That one game in Foxborough, I think they probably ran like maybe 10 total times. Yeah, they, they wanted to like end the Patriots uh, franchise. Yeah. And they did. They did. So congratulations to the Buffalo Bills on that. Denny, on the other side of the ball here, not a lot to talk about. Keenan Allen not practicing. Justin Herbert out for the season. Josh Palmer is back and maybe putting up pseudo wide receiver three numbers. But Austin Eckler, he was the fantasy superstar. We know the year has gone totally haywire for him. Is he even RB2 relevant at this point in this this disastrous offensive environment? I looked for any reason to say yes, that he is RB2 relevant, and uh, the answer is no. Uh, He had five of 27 running back carries last week against the Raiders. I know the game script. I know all that, but that's that's not good. And then he ran a route on on only 40% of the dropbacks against the Raiders, uh, had five targets. I mean, I just – I can't see a path. It it would be one thing if if he was running all the routes and he could just get so many dump offs from Easton Stick here. That'd be fun. That'd be that'd be okay. But you know he's not getting there with the rushing. Like that that's a that's a that's a potential zero, honestly. And and so you you hope for the PPR, but that that's not there either. So I I really do. Th- I'm trying to think of guys, fringe guys who I would start over him um and I'm, I'm coming up blank right now but uh ty chandler you don't even think twice starting. no not even no 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 you got to play chandler uh singletary so you play singletary oh for sure yeah for sure. i have singletary ranked ahead of austin i have austin Eckler, i believe is the rb 31 i'm pulling up my rankings wow. real quick yeah. to do a few of these comparisons denny yeah uh, i mean ty chandler by the way i'm playing ty chandler uh, almost over everybody Oh, mm-hmm. that goes well. You know, it, last week when I was doing my Friday stream, I, and it, as I as we went on with the questions, I just just stopped and I said, "Look, you're just playing Ty Chandler. It doesn't matter. Like you just you get him into your lineup. I don't care what you have to do. You put him in your lineup." Ty Chandler is the key to everything. Kyle, quickly, the aforementioned Josh Palmer. How live is he in fantasy, if at all? It certainly seemed to be the Chargers' new number one receiver without Keenan Allen in Week 15. Yeah, he led the team, or he was second in the team, just there with Quentin Johnson in terms of air yards. Led the receivers in target share, which, sure, that makes him the number one receiver, but Gerald Everett saw meaningfully more targets than him. I mean, and he got home exclusively on the one busted coverage game while they were down $45 trillion. So, like, he's he's an all-time. If this is week 12 and there's eight teams on by, great streaming option. Like, you'd love to throw him in, and and maybe they get another long play to him. This is the fantasy semifinals. If you're in Josh Palmer territory, but hope you have fun in the third, fourth place game. I should just remind him I should trade for Josh Palmer in my dynasty league. He'd probably be like my fourth flex this week. Um, what, if, uh, what if you're down bad at quarterback and you no. feel like Easton <laughs> Stick might? No. No, not even remote. Was Nick Mullins not available to you? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he um, was, but I got blocked by some monster in my league. I would even I'd rather do Taylor Heineke than Easton Stick, to be honest. But uh, I'd be remiss, by the way, if I didn't shout out one of our Twitch comments from Mr. Hayden Winks. Uh, not okay. only his friend of the show, he's former member of the show. And he wants he wants to hear more about the Falcons and their 23 team total. Hayden, just wait your turn in line. <laughs> Come on, Hayden. We will get to the Falcons in just a minute. Now it's the Bengals and Steelers, Kyle. Jake Browning got away with it yet again in week 16. Can he possibly do so as a roughly two-point road favorite against the Steelers without Jamar Chase? 
And then how high is too high for T Higgins in the week 16 rankings? I'm starting to think Browning can kind of get away with it. We've talked about how he's definitely been helped out by Yak and he's had some matchup that, some matchups that have been advantageous. Also had like a fun back and forth game last week. It was against a good defense. Most importantly, all the stats are sort of starting to align on him being good, even including the first game that he started that wasn't really anything special. He's third in EPA per play since he took over the starting job first in CPOE. And he's PFF's number one graded quarterback in the past three games. Like, I don't like this will probably come back to earth in, in a literal sense. It has to. He's not going to be the most efficient quarterback in the NFL. But like, could he be one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the world? I would have said there's almost no chance that's the case a month ago. And now I'm totally down to be like, yeah, this guy could be like a journeyman fringe starter who's probably still running hot. So, yeah, like I think he can probably to some degree keep getting away with it. Maybe some regression hits, but I kind of think he's just he's solid. He's a good quarterback. And that's good for T Higgins with Jamar Chase out. That is like top 15 status for me for T Higgins. I was to say top 20, top 15 feel. I mean, not that there's a huge difference there. Top 15, sure. though, that starts to sound more like uh, re- <laughs> renegotiating or refinancing my mortgage. Um, top 15. For the third time this week, too, which is great. Bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time to redo your mortgage. <laughs> yeah, so I hear. Uh, Jake Browning, by the way, he got that guy got you passed on me pilled. He is just fueled by hatred since the Vikings <laughs> got him. And it's made him like one of the 10 best. Oh man. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't factor that into the analytics last week that Jake Browning would be so fired up about the previous Vikings regime getting rid of him. Um, (laughs) But they still wear the the same helmets. So, you know, he, so he's, I should have, I should have figured it was a, uh, it was a revenge revenge. It was so elaborate. His revenge too, that he did nothing for three quarters. Yeah, it was elaborate. Did it all in the quarter. Yeah, he he had made like he had like four fantasy points going into the fourth he quarter, did. and he finished as a top five. Yeah, yeah, he did. He does. He did. Uh, Denny, part of that he's getting a lot of help from Joe Mixon. I didn't really have a question. I just wrote Denny colon Mixon going nuts. Uh, can you tell us about Joe Mixon going absolutely? I know. Nuts part Brown. of me wants to be like, yes, on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, it didn't become fantasy relevant until Joe Burrow got hurt. You know, strong, but, but I felt, stretch. I do think I, I have a vague memory of us talking after the Burrow injury being like, well, yeah, now, I mean, this is fantastic for, for Mixon. Like, you did. I don't think I agreed. They're, they're just, they're just going to lean, lean on, on, on Mixon. And by the way, the fantasy football happy hour guys were super bullish on Jake Browning before it was cool. And I was on there being like, oh, this guy stinks. He's not going to do anything. So I just want to shout out those guys for saying for being completely right on Jake Browning. Um, Bengals are four percent over their expected dropback rate since Browning took over. You know that's pretty pass heavy. Um, <laughs> what, what did I miss? <laughs> did no, it's a spit take. And how shocking! A violent spit take. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to go off off screen to read yeah. some of these stats. Uh, uh, running backs have a twenty percent target share with Browning. Uh, at the do helm, it again, Patches. do it, do it one more time. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> uh, so, but obviously Chase Brown is mixing in there a little bit. Mixon has 70% of the running back carries over that Browning starting span. Uh, and then this week it's a, it's a good spot. It's a pretty good spot. Pittsburgh is a top 10 run funnel on the season. Uh, opponents have a 56% uh, run rate when leading against the Steelers since week 11. So in other words, teams, once they get a, a lead, they see no reason to pass it. And with Jamar chase out, I can see mixing seeing a whole bunch of touches. 
By the way, Denny, producer Adam says, say his name. Uh, it was Connor Rogers who shouted out Jake Browning on the fantasy football. I should say Connor's name. Yeah, Connor was, you know, he was citing Browning's uh, college stuff. And I was like, wait, he played in college? <laughs> uh, did, you, did you have a thought there, Kyle, Price with the Steelers? It looked like you had a thought you wanted to add. Or was I misreading no, facial no. expressions? All right, no, well, Browning's look. college stuff was good, though. He had one season where he was up there in highs. It was like his second or third season, too. It wasn't even his final season. He had a good first. season. Then he had some other seasons. Other things happened between the good season and since he started for the Bengals, things have happened in there. And then while he's in the NFL, nothing happened, which is typically what happens for like UDFA type guys. But if you only look at the one good season, this actually checks out because it was an incredible season. It was a season. Mm-hmm. He had a really, really strange college career. But Kyle, what is the Steelers offensive outlook with yet another quarterback change? Kenny Pickett is still out. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, unsurprisingly, totally ineffective, even though he was way better than uh, Kenny Pickett in the box score. Uh, <laughs> way more fantasy points than Kenny Pickett ever produces. What's going to happen with Mason Rudolph, at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, it's not good. You know, supposed dog in him, George Pickens out there not run blocking, and then Jalen Warren comes out and is like, I'm, I'm not saying I would have run blocked for me, but that's literally exactly what I'm saying. I would have run blocked in that situation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this team is like in complete disrepair. They're on their third starting quarterback who I don't even know if he's that much worse than the first. I think the only thing to do here is Deontay Johnson, like PPR scam wide receiver three in every game he's finished, except for one, he's had a 20 plus percent target share. We've talked about this ad nauseum, every single quarterback, which has been a bunch lately who has played for this Steelers team looks at Deontay Johnson's like that guy needs 10 targets a game. And they also don't even look at George Pickens. So he's no. the only startable option here. You could play Pat Pryermuth if you feel so inclined, but honestly, I'd play like Tucker Craft over him. You can never see George Pickens because there's always a corner running his route for him. Wow. Too soon. Wow. I think in an actually good offense, he'd probably still be good. He would be. Uh, but, you know, know. This, this was always going to happen because I think Pickens has the making of uh, the makings of like a, a not an elite receiver, but a really good receiver. And so you stick him in the worst offense possible. He, he's he's over it with the slappies, which you know, I guess fair. Uh, but you should also maybe run block and create a touchdown for your team. Didn't Deontay do that like a month ago too? Where just clearly gave up on a play. They came right to him. Yeah, the, the Steelers receivers ain't reading all that. Like they're they're, <laughs> they're there to catch touchdowns, and if they're not going to do that, then then they're just going to stand with their their hands on their hips. That's do you guys? You have three seconds. Do either of you remember who the Steelers' third receiver is? Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Yes, Allen Robinson, and he's yeah. out there. Yeah, he he's has, still plays. Has not caught a pass since week one. I'm making that up. <laughs> maybe <laughs> make, maybe making that up. The Seattle Seahawks are getting their quarterback back as the Tennessee Titans lose theirs. We think. For this 41 and a half total to fair in Seattle, Denny. Despite those QB changes, we will begin in Seattle's backfield as the Seahawks' Zach Charbonnet dalliance over and can Kenneth Walker finally be trusted as a set and forget RB2 again? No. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's he's he's game script dependent uh, completely. So Walker last week against the Eagles had a slight edge in snaps over Charbonnet. Uh, Sharbs, as the kid are, uh, kids are calling him, uh, Ran uh, 20, 20 pass routes to only 12 for, for Walker against Philadelphia. And so, I mean, if you think that the Seahawks are going to play from ahead here, and and, the, and there's there's reason to believe that, then it's Walker week. And if not, then it's not a Walker week. It's, it's kind of that simple. I will say that teams are really, really going run heavy against the Titans when leading. 
I won't bore you with the numbers, but suffice it to say that there is very little passing when teams get a lead <laughs> against Will Levis. Not surprising. Uh, Kyle, what can we realistic, realistically say in the other backfield? Derrick Henry, I think it's 33 carries for 43 yards over the past two weeks. Still getting the volume, not getting the production. Can we trust him for the fantasy semifinals? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Imagine what Denny said. No, but more emphatically for this backfield. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about the Steelers. It's just an offense that cannot move the ball, cannot get light boxes for Derrick Henry. And I don't even think... Like Derrick Henry's probably not at the peak of his powers at this point, but he's still pretty good. He's six in PFF rushing grade, 17 yards after contact per attempt, top 25 in both the, both the next-gen stats. He still seems to be, by every metric, either very good or at least above average by a considerable amount. It just fundamentally doesn't matter when you're a two-down back on a slow team that cannot move the football. It just makes no difference. He needs a touchdown to even get into the running back two ranks, and he needs a second one to get into the RB1 ranks because he doesn't really have a good shot at just a high-volume, high-efficiency day like he used to, no matter the circumstance. Denny, elsewhere in this game, DK Metcalf has gone totally bonkers over the past three weeks, but not really on an increased target total. Did have a lot of targets when Geno played against the Cowboys and we had his best game of the stretch. There's Drew yeah. Locke the past two weeks. Geno is back against this bad Titans pass defense. Uh, can DK keep this heater going and maybe see a few more looks? I mean, if you know, if there is a matchup where you can keep the the heater going, it's definitely this one. Tennessee's uh, cornerbacks are just being eaten alive, especially in man, in man coverage. That's where Metcalf has really excelled. Um, yeah, so. You know, I take no pleasure in saying that DK Metcalf is converting air yards at a very high rate uh, as of late. The first um, player in NFL history to actually convert air yards. <laughs> no, I, well, him, Jordan Addison, uh, 94% conversion rate last week. So that was that was good for him. Um, so Metcalf uh, is third, actually, in target share behind Lockett and JSN over the past three games. But he has a comfortable lead in air yards. So... That means that we're getting a lot of high-variance downfield targets for our guy, DK. Uh, that probably changes with with uh, Gino. The, the Seahawks have been a little, you know, obviously, rightfully hesitant to air it out with, with Drew Locke. Sorry, Pat, uh, for no, consulting okay. your Mizzou lo- alum. Know, my Mizzou alum. I, <laughs> our guy wanted it bad. Not the game-winning TD. He wanted the game-ending INT real bad. He did. And he tried. It, and instead, he got the game-winning TD. He tried. Uh yeah, but so so yeah, I think I think DK keeps it going here. I guess the targets are a little bit of an issue though. Seriously, the past three weeks, see, like this year, I was like, man, I guess DK Metcalf just wasn't as good as he seemed like early in his career, and then they just started throwing to him, and yeah, just still instantly beast modes. I just are they ever going to stop overthinking just getting the good players the ball? It is crazy. Just get like, the, the throw to him twelve times. Who cares if you complete four or five of them? That's one hundred and thirty yards. Just throw him 12 times. Stop worrying about fake efficiency and throw to the guy who looks like a humanoid 12 times. Yeah, yeah it, it, he's like Josh Gordon, prime Josh Gordon, if Josh Gordon could stay on the field. He is, he is, he is. The Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins meet up in South Beach for this week's highest totaled contest. One that's found itself both under and over 50. Kyle, I believe it's currently under. I feel like the key to this game is going to be the Dolphins offense. Because uh, we don't like this Dolphins offense when it's playing from behind. Things get very difficult for Tua, Tua Tungavaloa there. Are we actually going to get a close game and full four full quarters of fantasy goodness this week from Miami and Dallas? 
Yeah, I mean, that's what Vegas has. And I think one promising thing was last week against a really good Jets defense, although, you know, we've talked about this, just having no offense definitely doesn't do their defense any favors, but a really talented Jets defense. Two was fourth in the NFL in CPOE and six in EPA per play without Tyreek against a good defense. Gives me a lot of confidence that even if Tyreek, you know, comes back but isn't 100% or God forbid he's not even back on the field this week, the the Dolphins can probably hold up their end of the bargain in this being a shootout. Because there was, I mean... Watching them play against against Titans, I was like, if Tyreek's out, he's won. He's made a really good case for his MVP status, showing himself out, and then the offense not playing very well. That wasn't the case last week. We got probably a week to prepare, as we've talked about, Pat. When mid-game injuries happen, it's really hard for a team sometimes to adjust to that. Give Mike McDaniel a whole week, and he will figure it out. It's exactly what he did. So with or without Tyreek, I think they'll at least hold up their own end of the bargain. I don't know if they win the game, but they should at least help make it a shootout. Then on the other side, how concerning of a matchup is this for the Cowboys passing attack, which taken a little water the past few weeks, and we've seen the Miami pass defense just get a little bit better each week. Jalen Ramsey still looks like one of the very best defensive players in the entire league. Yeah, so on the season, Pro Football Focus grades Miami's uh, secondary as the sixth best coverage unit in the NFL. Uh, They are allowing the fourth lowest dropback success rate since Jalen Ramsey came back in a full-time capacity and we as we said on tuesday's show pat we don't like it we don't we don't particularly love this because uh it's not really creating the sort of good fantasy environments that we want for our dolphins offensive players so because as as this dolphins defense has you know stiffened against the pass uh they've turned into a bit of a run funnel uh over the past three weeks and it's not because they're particularly bad at defending the run it's just because teams are backing away okay all right we get it. You're you're scary in the back end. We're not going to throw against you. Uh, do I think the Cowboys do that? I it it would go against pretty much everything that Mike McCarthy has done this year. So I, I tend to not think that they're going to establish it. And if they do, they're going to lose this game. The Lions are the only team in the league that got the memo. Have a good offense. Have a not horrible defense, but not a good defense. And let the points flow. We let we like we like that setup way more than this Dolphins yeah. setup where it's like if if Tyreek doesn't catch an 80-yard touchdown, he's going to score zero points. The Cowboys got a good defense. Chiefs got a good defense. Now the Whoa. Dolphins have a good defense. The Eagles are struggling on both ends, so they don't have a bad defense. Now well, they, they're not scoring enough. So the, the the Eagles, the Eagles are are almost there. They've all they almost fit that formula, right? They did. Because their their defense is garbage. But they're 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 still operating as if it's 2022, and their defense is great. And they're like, no, we're not going to change anything. This is how we won last year. Well, your defense stinks this year, so maybe throw it once in a while. They do need to change. And Jalen Hurts' sore knee, I think, has been a much bigger issue than we've probably been led to believe. Kyle, we've asked about almost everyone in this Dolphins Cowboys game so far, except for Devin Achan. Didn't quite get home the past two weeks. Still playing a lot, seeing the right amount of touches. This hasn't hit that big play. Is the big play going to come and what we hope is this week's shootout scoring environment? Yeah, since he's come back the second time now, he's been a little more weapon-like per se. Like we saw early in the season when they were probably still figuring out exactly how they wanted to use him, they were willing to just throw him to the wolves, give him 20 touches. And while it worked for fantasy, it just didn't work for his body, frankly. And since he's come back the second time, he's only seen 36% of the team's carries, but he still has over half the routes and an 18% target share, including some downfield targets. One long throw by two that they can connect on that makes him one of the highest air yardage running backs. So I do think he almost needs the shootout 
in order to see his best fantasy outcomes come around because I'm not sure we'll ever, you know, at least this season probably shouldn't ever get back to the point where he's getting 10 second half carries in a blowout. He's great as a weapon. He is a guy who can thrive on a dozen touches per game. And for as long as his body holds up, he could do that on 20, but you don't really need to do that, especially when you have Raheem Mostert, who's been one of the most successful backs this year on top of having a chance. So not only do I think this is the perfect environment for him to do it, but I do think it's one of the only ones you want to bet on him going forward, albeit, you know, there's only a few weeks left in the season. All right, that week 18 against the Bills, there could be a lot on the line in that game. Maybe that'll be another Devin Chan game. It will be another Pat, Kyle, and Denny game when we return right after this. This holiday season, get the fantasy fan in your life, the exclusive Rotorol Draft Guide bundle featuring expert analytics, player insights, and season-long tools. Get all three of the draft guides for one low price. Go to NBCSports.com slash Holiday Bundle and use promo code HOLIDAY23 at checkout to receive 25% off and a $10 Fanatics gift card. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash Sports. The shorthanded Houston Texans host the flockerific Cleveland Browns as roughly two-and-a-half-point home dogs. Denny, you guys didn't like flockerific, huh? Uh, the whole nation... Before you, before you cut me off, before you say it was a horrible joke, uh, the whole nation needs to know, Denny, can Jolton Joe, which is what I call Joe Flacco, by the way, um, can he possibly keep attempting 40-plus 40, 40 passes per game? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the whole nation is looking toward Jolton Joe. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like the, it. The, this this week. And, uh, yeah, he's getting there. He's going to get there. I just want everyone to know. Uh, it doesn't matter if Stroud plays here um, to, to wow. me. No, I mean, it doesn't – like. The Browns are not going to suddenly just like hand it off 45 times. No. Like they're just not going to operate. This is not your father's Browns. All right. This is the, air raid right. Jolt, Jolton Joe Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, do you, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Kyle, nope. do you know who, do you nope. know Jolton Joe was? was Joe, nope. Sounds like Joe. he was a 1930s boxer. 1930s baseball player. Joe yeah, DiMaggio. close. Joe DiMaggio. Jolton Joe. Oh, I know Joe DiMaggio. Jolton Joe DiMaggio. He sounds like a boxer who held his hands like this. 100%. They all did, but he did too. He didn't Um, didn't wear a glove in the field. Um, Knuckles out. All right, let me get I can't tell if it's a bit or not, because he definitely could have not worn a glove in the field. He wore a glove. He wore a glove. Okay, all right. So this game, guys, this game projects for a lot of plays. We talked about this with the Bears-Browns last week, and honestly – that was the only thing that allowed the Browns to get there for fantasy purposes was that there were a ton of plays between the Bears and Rams. Well, we have that again this week, and let me tell you why. The Texans and the Browns are uh, among the top three teams in offensive plays per game this year, okay? Now, you say, well, that was with Stroud. It, obviously, it changed with Keenum. Here's the thing. It didn't. The Texans last week had the second most offensive plays in the NFL against the Titans. Wow. Okay. So we're going to get a lot of plays with Keenum under center, I think this week. And uh, you know, that means a lot of dropbacks. We're going to get, we're going to get tons of dropbacks and, and Joe's going to keep, keep uh what is it jolton jolton joe <laughs> uh, jolton joe dimaggio and, uh, and there's something very 1930s <laughs> he eats his lunch in a tree like, you know, like he's like a firefighter <laughs> saving a cat or something I don't know. what do is they he, do how he eats his lunch in a tree is he robin hood uh, what do they do in the 30s i don't know i don't know they Maybe definitely sat think. on like steel beams way 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 above you know <laughs> they, no they're sitting on steel whatever. beams so that's I, feel, right. yeah, I feel like that was bad uh labor practice 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I'd be like, OSHA didn't exist yet. They might have uh, cracked we, They hadn't done the medical studies on falling, you know, 5,000 feet. We didn't right. know yet what kind of effects that would have on your body. We lost, no, we uh, we lost another two good men today because of the peanut butter and jelly. But you, you know that we have a, a, a lunch table down on the street level <laughs> you don't, uh, where, where they could eat lunch. On the steel beam with 45 mile an hour winds so whipping around sure New York City. <laughs> I need to sit on the beam. By the way, we, this is not a... a, a Q and A show. We don't take questions for the show, but we have do have a viewer saying Jolton Joe is truly Flockerous. <laughs> he is, he is Jolton Joe. Jolton Joe Flacco is the most important NFL player in the entire NFL. Flackerific though, that in that context has to mean horrific, right? As opposed no, 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 to no, where, no, no, it's good. Someone has pointed out that what team did Flacco totally bomb for? Was it the Broncos? Broncos. He's been, he's been good for like every team since then. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, by the way, Kevin Stefanski needs to stop with putting DTR in for oh, like yeah. fourth and inches. No, no, and no. you know what he did last week? It was fourth and inches. He took a shotgun snap and he threw it four yards behind the line of scrimmage. And Cream Hunt or someone had to make an amazing play. Had to had to dodge three tacklers to gain one yard. Like like don't don't do that. Just keep no. Flacco in. Just keep keep the best mm. player on the team in Jolton Joe Flacco. Kyle, the other team, the Houston Texans. What is their outlook if Nico Collins sits again? He did not practice Thursday. And also, why has Dalton Schultz been so quiet amidst the Texans receiver injuries? Yeah, I mean, for Schultz, his role has grown slightly in terms of targets. He got a 15% target share last week, and that's not too much different than what he had all season. But I will say they're using him downfield more. His air yard share grew substantially last week. And I do think that makes more sense when you don't have these other moderate to downfield options. Schultz, who... When you have a full receiving core, make Schultz Evan Ingram. You just don't have to do much else with him. When you don't, you do have to go downfield a little bit with him more. So I do expect him in a high pace game in which we saw his role change for the better slightly last week to get home this week. Anyone have anything to say on these Browns and Texans backfields? Devin Singletary retook control in like very vivid fashion of the Texans backfield last week. And Browns backfield this like looks totally out of gas. Do either of you have anything to add beyond that? Well, the the, the Browns are eight percent above their expected dropback rate since Flacco took over, so that that's just destroying any kind of rush volume. Well, Denny, I think it's like partly too like both factors. I think that they just yeah. don't think they have quality touches in their backfield right now. Uh, yeah, right, right, and so they're doing the weird thing where they're they're actually leaning on the part of their game, yes. their offense that 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 works. What was the other? You said the the Houston. Devin Singletary is yeah. playing like every snap, basically. Yeah, right. He, he is playing a lot. Uh, he ran – yeah, I mean, he ran around on like 65% last week. You know, and so I, I'm I'm projecting negative game script here for Houston, obviously. So maybe he gets there for PPR. Maybe he gets there for PPR. That's like uh, – we could – what's the say about every – maybe he'll get there. I know. PPR. Look, I that, know. It, it's a crutch. It, it's a crutch, but <laughs> it's it's all I got. Okay? It's a crutch. Like, it's an accidental indictment of the format that we all know and love. Uh, it's not real fantasy. No, I'm not – wait. No, no, no. It is real. It is the only – It's the only format I play, but that's because I like the hack the game, basically. Yeah, I like the Because it's a points. game. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not an NFL GM, man. I'm just looking for points. That's all yeah, I'll like do. we could all play in like EPA, EPA only yeah. leagues where we're like trying to max, maximize actual <laughs> NFL efficiency, but like we're also trying to have fun. Like we could also just skip the NFL and play chess, right? Like we could play a perfectly deterministic game, but like part of the fun is that it's random and like goofy stuff can happen. My leagues have 300 yard bonuses for quarterbacks. Pat plays in a league where oh, until wow. you get 100 yards and a touchdown, leave me out of this one. Counts. 
<laughs> and we all like that. Like that's the game. <laughs> uh, the, the, the rules are totally fine in my league that I'm weirdly obsessed with. You are obsessed. With <laughs> I'm not at all obsessed with it at all. Don't put it in the paper that I'm totally obsessed. Oh with. man, you guys wouldn't believe on Slack when when uh, <laughs> when someone eclipses 100 yards on Pat's team. It is it is a bonanza. That's what. That's what. Will Lutz bangs out a long 53 yard kick. <laughs> oh my god, oh, Pat. Oh, loses. Hell yeah, brother. There is just nothing better. We have, when they get that hundred, when the hundred yard bonus kicks in, I tell Mr. Potter to leave. You can take that, take that back to the bank, Mr. Potter. And and that's, that's when I'm good. financially solvent again. I've done a better Jimmy Stewart in the past. That one wasn't that good. We pledge to be better. We pledge to move on to Jaguars Bucks. Waiting for Trevor Lawrence to clear the concussion protocol, the Jags head to Tampa for what is amounting to a pick'em. Kyle Baker Mayfield just played literally the best game of his career. Is he QB1 relevant against this awful Jags pass defense? Why is this total only 42 and a half? Yeah. I mean, it's probably the Trevor Lawrence side of things. I'm guessing the book is like, this game's going to suck without Trevor Lawrence because Lawrence has not practiced yet because of concussion as far as I've checked. But as as far as Baker Mayfield goes, like uh, when you talk about Jake Browning, like you kind of have to capitulate on how good he is. He's just playing really good football right now. There's another level of that with Baker Mayfield where like his career seemed like pretty much on the outs. He was this team's, Geno Smith, in the way we talk about Geno Smith going into last year, he's a way to ferry the team into the top draft pick. And that has just not been the case. He's been really strong. He's finished, as far as fantasy goes, QB won six times this year, top 15 option nine times. So he's had a really strong floor. He's eighth in EPA per dropback, 15th in yards per attempt. And he's just not making the the cataclysmic mistakes where he stares down a linebacker and throws a walk-in pick six. The mistakes are gone, but the efficiency when he's throwing and, and not the mistakes is even better. So I do think Baker Mayfield, maybe not a QB one if this game has such a meh total if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. But even then, in a boring game, he probably ranks as like the QB 14. If we think this game has a decent chance of being high scoring, it's a great matchup versus the Jags defense. That's absolutely a reason to throw him into the QB 10 slot, something like that. Producer Adam, real quick, how how high do you think the total creep of Trevor Lawrence actually played? It seems like they're trying to act like he's going to, he hasn't practiced yet, but they're, he's making progress. Mm-hmm. He's uh, going to play. I think he is going to play too. Uh, I think he's uh, yeah. Adam says only going up to forty four. That's, that's low as hell. Why, why, points are going to be flowing in this game. Yeah. By the way, uh, check out the funnel report on on the site uh, on Friday because uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff about the Bucks and Jags. Uh, sticking with the Jags, Denny Calvin Ridley breakdown with Zay Jones now joining Christian Kirk on the shelf. Calvin Ridley tilting fantasy managers more than maybe any player in fantasy this year, <laughs> save for Bajan Robinson. I of course. I have giant exposure to both of them. Uh, yeah. what, is, what is the outlook for Calvin Ridley, who is commanding, uh, quote, hella targets, but he's not really <laughs> doing a whole lot with them? You betrayed our generation, I think, by using that term. Yeah, uh, yeah look, I, I, I remember, I actually covered the week one game, Jags and Colts, and uh, when they were throwing to Calvin Ridley, like in the middle of the field and like, five yards off the line of scrimmage. And that was fun. And then it hasn't happened really since uh, you would think that it, it need that, that receiving profile needs to change. Now that Zay Jones is out of, out of the picture with the hamstring injury, removing Zay Jones is basically removing 40% of the air yards and 23% of the targets. If you look at uh, the, the Jacksonville receivers post Christian Kirk, okay. 40% of the air yards. Okay. So, so Calvin Ridley, is at least here's what you have going for you, Pat. He's at least in position. 
just see a, just a ton of volume. Oh, I love I love when my players in position to see it. Right, right. So I, you know, whether he converts that, probably not. But you know, it's it's it, he's he's going to be in a in a good spot. I will say I have a affinity for have an, an affinity for Parker Washington. I knew where you were going with that I, one. I just want to throw him out a deep league. You're 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 panicking over your flexes, whatever. You know, you're clawing your way through the losers bracket after you got knocked <laughs> out of the playoffs in week ten. You're no, ready no, to go. No. I have a lot of teams. No, so this is a buy in the consolation bracket. That's I have, wait, wait. I have a lot of teams who are live for a championship that suck. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Didn't you so, draft a bunch of zero RB teams? Shouldn't your wide receivers be the good good part of these teams? No, they're just they're just miserably bad teams. I'm, I'm you know, you look at uh, the the app, whatever you're playing on, and I'm I'm a I'm a 22 percent chance to win this week, and and I, and I have the number one seed. Like what? <laughs> what? Wow. I mean, this is the the goaded year for your strategy of never drafting good players because none of the good players have been playing no, that's consistently. True. That's true. Yeah, even at tight end, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, uh, no good players this year. Um, speaking of Kyle, what is going on with Travis Etienne? Who he early in the year he's getting a lot of volume, but not really. He he was getting good fantasy volume, but it wasn't translating to real life production. Then he went on a pretty good real life stretch. Now he's on a very poor real life and fantasy stretch. Really, like the better part of a month. What is going on with Travis Etienne? I will say, for this being the poor stretch, he's finished as an RB1 in two of his past three weeks, and he's been an RB2 a bunch of times. I mean, that's because running back scoring isn't great, and he's catching passes. That's also been helpful, but it hasn't been explosions. He, he had a stretch where he was a top five running back for like almost every game for like six to eight weeks, and this is more of like the ceiling is RB10, the floor is 26, and that's mostly because they're losing. I believe they're on a three-game losing streak. They are. He averages right. over, yeah, he averages over 20 points per game in wins this year and a dozen points per game in losses. Averaging a dozen points per game in losses is a pretty good floor to have when you lose and you can still get a, you know, double-digit fantasy points. It's enough to be an RB2, RB2 adjacent, sometimes an RB1, but you do need him to be winning to really have these like 28, 30-point fantasy games and to him compile those touchdowns. So if you think they're going to win this game, which seems skeptical at best, especially without Trevor Lawrence, he's a great play. If you, like Vegas, don't see them winning this game, you're still playing him. Because like I said, he's snuck in as, I think it's like the RB11 and 12. So RB1, you know, a little little trick of the trade. You can call anyone an RB1 (laughs) if they get, you know, 15 fantasy points in the right week. But he was doing that in the right week. So you're still playing him you just know the outcome is not going to be the same as when the Jags win 30 to 15 and he piles up two touchdowns. Yeah. Just in a classic adjust your expectations player moving on, giving Kyle a real quick break. He deals with something known as the sun, Uh, the Ravens and 49ers meet up in Santa Clara, California, 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 Denny uh, for what could be the slugfest of the season. The 49ers are being granted unstoppable status as five and a half, six point home favorites. It's not good timing for the Ravens, who just lost Keaton Mitchell and have an ailing Zay Flowers. If Zay sits with his foot injury, Denny, which Ravens skill players are we really trusting in this game against this 49ers Colossus? I mean, I would like to say Odell, but, you know, he's still not running anything close to a a full complement of routes. Uh, You know, we talked about maybe they're saving him for the playoffs, and I guess that's going okay. Uh, So... You know that I, I want to say Odell, but I, I guess I can't. Rashad Bateman is kind of a disaster. Only bad things happen when you throw to Bateman. Isaiah likely, true. You know, I, I feel like Isaiah likely. You know, he had a big week last week. Um, he you know, Lamar seems to very much trust him on on the those uh, kind of you know plays where the structure breaks down. 
He has to scramble around. Uh, I really like likely this week against the Niners. We we just saw Trey McBride have a big week against the 49ers. So get you got to make sure he's in your lineup. I, I know that that probably puts you in an awkward spot, but you got to got to do it. Uh, sticking with the Ravens, Kyle. Anything really to note without Keaton Mitchell? We know nothing's changed with Gus Edwards' role, but anything with Justice Hill? I mean, no one live beyond Gus Edwards, right? No, that's it. I mean, Justice Hill's going to play a lot of snaps in in any game, especially one like this where they probably don't win and they have to pass more. He's going to run a a lot of routes, but he just doesn't command the same fantasy opportunities, targets, and long plays that Keaton Mitchell did. So maybe in a a sort of technical sense, he's going to play the Keaton Mitchell role. But the role wasn't that good for Keaton Mitchell. It was that Keaton Mitchell was good. So no no juice with Justice Hill. And like you said, I don't really think it changes much for Gus Edwards, if anything, really. Denny, on the other side, not many questions of the 49ers. Very narrow. Everyone's getting home. But Brandon, very limited volume. I think he's like the 26th most receiver targets over the past three weeks. Is that limited volume becoming a concern? Yeah. Especially as Debo's on this uh, immaculate heater. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, like we talked about, Debo just crushing zone defenses. Ayuk is tends to be better against against man uh, coverage, from what I understand. The Ravens kind of are 50-50 in that regard. Um, Ayuk, you know, I mentioned him in the regression files in like week eight or nine. And ju- just to emphasize like how hot he was running, like he was getting his usage was not good at all. Like air yards, targets, whatever, however you want to break it down. It wasn't good. And he was going ballistic with limited opportunity. It just, it just couldn't hold up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, you're starting them this week. I, I actually think that the Niners have a, are, are a pretty good bet to go either balanced or run heavy against the Ravens, uh, especially if they, if they get a lead here, the Ravens on the, on the other hand, I know we just talked about the Ravens, but I think they're very likely to go pass heavy here. Uh, um, so I, I worry about Ayuk again, just having, having to do a lot with a little. So you think the Ravens will go pass heavy? Does it mean Zay Flower plays? He might actually do something uh, not to be a hater. Still. <laughs> oh, you are such a hater. It's actually like, I actually. Just ask him to have a good game once. That's all I'm asking. I, I, I mean, it's, it's tremendous. I want Zay Flower mm-hmm. to go crazy here just to spite you. He did return to practice on Thursday. So his, the, the spite is live. No, uh, please. <laughs> the spite is live. The spite is very live with Arthur Smith. Two teams clinging to dear playoff life. The Colts and Falcons square off in Atlanta, Georgia, with the Falcons getting a roughly a point at home, Denny. Art Smith was basically begging with tears in his eyes for Bajan Robinson managers to forgive him on Monday. He covered up his feed CPAT tattoo. How much can we really trust Mr. Robinson for the fantasy semifinals? You know, I feel like I should probably put on clown makeup before I say this, but <laughs> do it. I don't have I don't have time to do that. Um, you do. You always have time for a bit. And yeah, well, I should have done that beforehand instead of put on. The <laughs> um, you have to do clown makeup for the first forty minutes of the show, though, just to get the bit. You asked me to put the Falcons in the beginning, and I forget. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Near the, the show, so I'm just talking with clown makeup on. Like, yeah, Flacco is a good play. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, so the, here's the thing: the Colts, the Colts are like an extreme run funnel. Like, I, I really don't think that you should be too afraid of Robinson here. I think that he's just gonna, he's just gonna see a lot of touches. I know, Kyle, you made a point online the other day that uh, it seems like Arthur Smith really 
trusts Algier against stacked fronts, right? And then the yeah, this was something yeah. Josh Norris talked about, and I I just pulled up the PFF data, and uh, and Algier has a ten percent edge for seven and eight man fronts over over Bijan in terms of his percentages of whole carries. Not awfully surprising in a, in a way because Algier is like a strong power option. But even in those circumstances, Bijan was just far better. The only thing you could really slight Bijan with is he has his fumbles have come against a bunch of stacked or seven plus man boxes, depending on how you define it. And Algier doesn't fumble, which is, you know, useful. Fumbling is bad, supposedly. But man, Bijan is still a lot better against stack fronts because he makes dudes miss. He breaks long runs, but he also hasn't even gotten stuffed as much as, as Tyler Algier. So it's clear that that's what Arthur Smith is doing. Is he right in doing that? It's the thing we've said all season. You can tell what he's going to do for the most part. The Bijan heel turn was a bit strange, but other than that, we know he's going to run the football, going to run a lot of play action, and his games are going to be slow and suck. The the Bijan was a heel turn, but he's predictable, just predictably bad. So I I do want to say for this matchup with the Colts, the Colts play uh, their base defense at an extremely high rate, one of the highest rates in, in the league. So in other words, it seems like a good, a good spot for Bijan, Bijan. I don't know why. I was thinking of the worst joke in the world. Someone said something about a mask, and then I couldn't get the phrase. No one cared who Arthur Smith was until he put on the Tyler <laughs> Algier mask. Uh, and though we cared well before that, too. We were already mad at him, even no, before this year. Mad at him. By the way, you mentioned Josh Norris. We mentioned Hayden Winks earlier. We would be remiss if we said not to check out the Underdog Football Show. They are a competitor. It's a very good show. Very good analysis. Uh, where was I talking about? Are we streaming, Kyle? Gardner Minshew against this Falcons defense. And what's the latest on Michael Pittman's outlook? It certainly seems like he is going to play, even after suffering a sickening concussion that earned someone a season-long suspension. Yeah, I mean, he was limited in practice for the first practice of the week, which, like like I said, I was insane. He got absolutely destroyed by DeMonte Casey. And then Casey was ejected, fined, suspended rest of the season, and the playoffs. And I think his appeal took the playoff part of it out or whatever. A brutal hit that just somehow, I don't say didn't phase him. I think he missed the rest of the game. But a limited practice with a concussion is typically a sign that a player is going to be able to play that week. And he's been absolutely dominating volume. I don't know, given that like we've talked about Jake Browning and Baker Mayfield, that Gardner Minshew quite creeps into like that fringe QB1 status. There are better streaming options, but he's a solid, a solid play. At least I do think the fact that this game is probably two teams that want to run the football, depending on Jonathan Taylor's health is maybe a reason to say that this game is one you want to play through. Uh, mostly the running games, Michael Pittman was standing because he's just that good. But real quick, this wasn't what I was going to with Taylor Heineke actually coming back, this is maybe like a sneaky shootout potential. It's at 44 and a half, so it's like knocking on the door of being an actual good total. Is there a chance it's not run heavy? And you know, two teams really desperate to win if they start slinging it around the yard or no. It, it, Arthur it, Smith was even more run heavy in his two Taylor Heineke starts. They have like something like a negative 10% pass rate ever expected on the year, which is way lower than anyone else. It was negative 14 with Heineke. Heineke didn't finish the second game, so the data's a bit incomplete. But, uh, you know, that's, I don't think it matters is what the answer is. It was more in those games. Maybe it's slightly less. But the point is, Arthur Smith is who he is, and he does what he does. every Not even every time he gets the opportunity to do so. In the games where he shouldn't be doing his stuff, he still right. does what he does. Right. Arthur, we do care who you are. You can take off the mask now. Please. Please take off the mask. Then he, he mentioned John Taylor. Uh, apparently, we thought he was practicing in full on Wednesday, but they still haven't declared him game ready yet. You might be listening to this podcast, and for all we know, he's been ruled out. It seems like he's going to play. If he does play, is he a plug-and-play 
RB1, Zach Moss experiment seems definitively over. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that way. Moss is struggling with a, with a forearm injury. Um, does he, he doesn't seem likely to play, right? He doesn't seem likely to play, but even when he has been playing, the efficiency is totally cratered. Right. The production right. is totally cratered. He does seem like he will be sitting. This he, has, he has regressed, as yes. the uh, nerds say. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, th- this is a good spot. I, I, I looked at some of the uh, dropback rates for Indianapolis when Jonathan Taylor was at full strength, even though it was very fleeting. Um, you have games with like 12% under their expected dropback rate, 9% under their expected dropback rate, things of that nature. I wrote them up in the uh, funnel defense report, which you can find tomorrow on the site. And uh, I, I, I do see both teams trying to hammer the run. You know, unless game script goes really haywire here, uh, I think Taylor would be locked in for for a nice workload. You know, is the team still going to try to like manage him? I don't know, but... Um, it, it's, it's a, it's a good spot for volume. The Atlanta defense is not necessarily bad at defending the run though. It's yeah. Pat, to update the injury stuff. Like you said, Taylor is more like a feel situation, but he did practice again in full on Thursday, assuming he goes three practice in a row, not to be unheard of, but like it's only players on IR who practice in full and sit out another week. Yeah. He's not an IR. So I, it seems I'm waiting to get the rug pull because I, I could really use some Taylor. So I'm, I'm ready for pain. Right. It really seems like every sign points to him playing. And Zach Moss was DNP on Thursday, which back-to-back right. DNPs is a pretty bad sign for a player playing. So if everything's normal, it should be very predictable that Taylor plays and Moss doesn't. This is a bit more of a feel situation, I'll admit. Kyle, very quickly, you mentioned some of the Taylor Heineke splits. I didn't realize they're even more run heavy with Taylor Heineke. <laughs> yeah. How do, trust Jake London more, less indifferent with Taylor Heineke under center? Marginally less, mostly indifferent because like I said, I, I get that there were, you know, I said they were more run heavy in terms of their pass rate over expected, which was way under. I think it's mostly that they just didn't change. And coincidentally, they just had a little bit of variance that struck toward the under Drake London only played in one of the two Heineke starts. He only saw four targets in that game. I mean, you're not playing London this week in the sense of it's been tough to play him any week. If you need to play him though, you've been playing him and I guess you just keep firing up. He's really talented. He has a really high ceiling, but the floor is, is like literally one to two catches. Real great stuff. Real, real great. Please, <laughs> Arthur, take off the mask. The Chiefs host the Raiders in a 1 p.m. Eastern game on Christmas Day for some reason as two score favorites, Kyle. Both Isaiah Pacheco and Josh Jacobs are returning from injury. Who do we trust more in the fantasy semifinals than Kyle? Um, sorry, you have to blurb this game for the website. Oof. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hopefully it's over quick at least because one team gets beat up. Third third quarter ends and they're like, let's kind of get out of here. You want a and lot that of reason, runs in this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want a lot of, I want a lot of, I assume Pacheco runs. Maybe things go haywire, but I assume they don't. And for that reason, I, I think you have to trust Pacheco more. His team is a 10 point favorite against a really bad defense. Whereas Jacob's role in a, like, you know, a few weeks ago, I don't know what he comes back to, but let's assume their roles are what they have been throughout the season. Jacob's role is really strong. He gives up a few routes to Amir Abdullah, and that's about it. All the carries and a good share of the routes. But man, it's hard to trust any running back who is a 10-point underdog on an Aiden O'Connell-led offense. On the other hand, I get Pacheco is is a little bit more sensitive to game script. But man, the game script looks good. So you, you have to trust Pacheco more, even if their roles are slightly skewed in the opposite direction of that. 
it's the only fear with Pacheco would be that he was on some sort of pitch count, but they announced him early, like very early in the week as being ready for this game. Yeah, I think Andy Reid even said he was cleared for last week, but they just held him out one more week to be safe, which we've seen a number of teams do somewhat successfully this year. So like you said, all signs point to him coming back to a relatively normal role. Then he, then, so we talked about the running backs. Are we still giving Patrick Mahomes top 10 benefit of the doubt at QB? I mean, we are, I'm ranking him as the QB eight this week, but yeah. it's very, very low for Patrick Mahomes. Anything changing in this Chiefs passing attack? Uh, no, I, I actually wrote up Mahomes in the regression files. If folks want to check that out, I'll just read a little little blurb from that, if that's all right with, with you uh, guys. Uh, so Mahomes is way under his expected uh, fantasy output over the past month. His touchdown rate over the past four games is 4%. Uh, that's below his season-long rate of 5% and below his career rate of 6.3%. Um, of course, his his uh, season, s- season-long season rate has gone all the way up to like 8.5%. So uh, w- what I'm saying is with the, with the he- pass heaviness in the red zone, no one is pass heavier in the red zone than, than Kansas City and inside the 10-yard line. Excuse me. Sorry, my phone um, just fell. Sorry, uh, there's an earthquake in Maryland. Sorry. Apologize. I think a text knocked it off. Uh, uh, I, I, I do. I think that this is a spot where Mahomes could, you know, could see more than, hey, more than two touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. Man, remember when Pat Mahomes threw three touchdowns? Every yeah, I do game? remember. I do recall that. Remember when he did that for half a decade? He <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't do that anymore. And then it doesn't happen anymore. Well, he actually does do it. They just don't catch it. Um, he's yeah, he's, you're right. He still throws the touchdowns. That's a good point. He literally does throw the touchdowns. Dude, just don't catch him. Um, Mahomes leads all quarterbacks in drop passes that result in interceptions this year and over the past three years. Wow. Yeah. Kadarius Tony. The second one wasn't quite as bad as the first one this season. I, I've never seen a drop turn into a, as immaculate of a pass result in a pick as that first Kadarius Tony muffception. Uh, that was awesome, close. man. It was an art piece, like one of these strange art pieces you don't understand, but you're still like, that's beautiful. It was a sight to behold. Real quick, Kyle, Devontae Adams finally had another 100-yard game in Week 15, but required the Raiders scoring 63 points against the most <laughs> pathetic team in the NFL. What is the outlook for Devontae? Who, his floor has been okay, just has not been spiking weeks this season. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he's still Devontae Adams. And if anything, since Aiden O'Connell has come back for his, his second tour of duty as the Raiders starting quarterback, Devontae has been more Devontae, a 34% target share and literally half of the team's air yards. Anytime the move, the, the team moves the ball beyond the line of scrimmage, about half of them on average are going to Devontae Adams. That's like top three to one receiver status in terms of even fantasy Albeit with Aiden O'Connell, you sort of dock it to still top like six. I think he's still an elite option. And the fact that he's had high floor, but no spike weeks is, is probably just a function of randomness. I still think you should treat him not like, you know, Rogers Devontae connection, but like the most used receiver in the NFL with a functional quarterback. Aiden O'Connell's not, it's not Zach Wilson levels are bad. So top six is where I'm going to have him at. You can score 63 points with Aiden O'Connell is what we've learned. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like, you can score. 60. Can you score half that with Zach Wilson? They've come close, but I don't know if you can. I don't think they. Hit, I don't think they've hit thirty all year. I don't um, think so. I don't think you can. The Lions and Vikings meet up with everything on the line for Minnesota. Kyle with Alexander Madison trending towards another inactive. He was out of practice again on Thursday. Is Ty Chandler a plug and play RB one, or is that aspirational by me who may need him quote everywhere, and, or is this Lions defense just too tough? to be like truly jamming Ty Chandler in the lineup. Most people are going to be playing Ty Chandler. Does he need to be like forced into your lineup no matter what? 
I wish the uh, the listeners, if you are listening to this on the podcast feed, quickly pop over to YouTube and see Pat miming the, the <laughs> physical jamming. Like he has a bucket where his lineups <laughs> are. Get on, get on, get on in there. Come on, come on. I know, I know, yes. I know this fits. I did it. I did it last week. I know this fits. Do it again. Get him in there. You, you know, pull. Have someone open the box for you and put him in because last week he saw. Said, don't worry, I don't have to jam games. him in. I need him desperately. Uh, he, no he he fits quite easily. In fact, you don't have to work. There's a lot of space there. Your lineup has some holes that he could fit yes. in. He fits them quite well. He saw 82% of the carries with a healthy 12% target share. Wouldn't be surprised if they get behind if his target share grows in this game. I mean, he is playing an elite role, but he's actually good as opposed to Alexander Madison, who has had a strong role at times this year, but just has not been able to capitalize on it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he's a top six or seven running back, but you could tell me eight or seven or maybe six. And I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. You were He's seeing the ball that much. And this looks like a, a decent scoring environment. I'm just like the RB14. Any pushback from Denny, or do you just agree with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't I, think that's enough. I think you jam, do a little bit more of the jam and put him in there. Yeah. Really get it in there. I mean, you, you, you really, yeah, you can't be high enough on Ty Chandler's. That's music from, from your God's lips to my ears. What's that phrase? Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's it. From my lips to your God's ears. No, it's, it's music from God's Denny to Pat's Pat. Cause that's right. Obviously, there. yeah. But where is my God? Where where is Denny's God now? We've been looking for him all season. Uh, Denny, it worked for one week for Justin Jefferson with Nick Mullins. How confident are we in these Vikings pass catchers all getting their looks and this admittedly gorgeous matchup with the Lions defense? I'm pretty confident. I mean, you know, Kevin O'Connell said that the reason they made the switch to Nick Mullins is because he is a system knower and he can run the system. And Josh Dobbs was not running the system. And so when you, when you have a, a, co- a coach looking for that sort of thing, Nick Mullins fits, fits the bill. And folks, last week, uh, Nick Mullins was the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. He had a, an expected completion rate of 66%. His actual completion rate was 82%. So really, really good stuff from Nick Mullins. Of course, only 6% of his attempts were over 20 yards. We know what we're getting. We're getting a lot of intermediate throws, a lot of short throws. Doesn't have a lot of arm strength. I think... Kind of got away with one to that one touchdown that Jordan Addison was a was a floater. Some are calling it a floater, but we don't care. We don't care because you don't get docked fantasy points for a floater. They no, still they all count the same. Uh, well, Pat and, actually and, does have a league where you get docked significantly. Uh, right, you lose yeah. the points for the floaters, but you most do. most people no. That league's very and, uh, Right, and and so in that league, Trevor Lawrence is in trouble with the floaters. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> so, Ooh, uh, such a hater. I'm sorry, I had to. Uh, and, and yeah, so I actually, so I really want Nick Mullins in a couple of my down bad, down bad fantasy teams this week and I can't get him, And I'm quite disappointed because I think that he's in a very good spot. Wow. Really needing Nick Mullins. That is down pretty. Yeah. Well, so historic. when you start yeah. <laughs> the season with Anthony Richardson on every re- redraft team, and then you luck into CJ Stroud. Then you're down bad once he yeah. gets you. You're down very, 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 very bad. Kyle, who has the higher rank this week, Jameer Gibbs or David Montgomery? Oh, it's Jameer Gibbs. He has, on top of his awesome receiving usage, more goal line carries, more, more short down and distance attempts since David Montgomery returned to the lineup. They're splitting some of that work, but the fact is, if you can get roughly half of the high value carries, and all the targets for the backfield, you have to rank Gibbs higher. I think it's reasonable to rank them both as an RB1. I have Demont as a, more of a mid-range RB2, 
But since David Montgomery returned, they both have produced as top 10 fantasy options in PPR format. So, yeah, you're playing both of them. Gibbs is the better option, though. Yeah, that, that is the takeaway. That you're playing both of them no matter what sets up quite well for them in this game. The New York Jets are on to Trevor Simeon, but the Commanders are still stuck in Sam Howell purgatory. New York is three-point home favorites, Denny. I'm assuming we can't take anything away from Terry McLaurin's brief Jacoby Brissett blow-up. Last week where he looked like the best receiver in the NFL for the one quarter Jacoby Brissett play. Man, my my redraft teams were pretty bitter, pretty bitter about the uh, just a glimpse into a possible universe <laughs> where Jacoby Brissett had started 10 games this year and Terry McLaurin had gone nuclear for fantasy purposes because brother, that's what would have happened because I mean, Jacoby Brissett didn't even look at anybody else. Like no. he, I mean, I know he threw a touchdown to uh, to what's it, Curtis Samuel, Kurt but Swing. like, but like he just he just targeted relentlessly, retargeted, targeted uh, McLaurin, and it doesn't matter at all for next for this coming week. Doesn't matter at all. McLaurin's back to like like a like a shaky wide receiver three with Sam Howell because Sam Howell is quite bad. Sam Howell, yeah, I, he's probably gonna get he might get benched mid game this week again. I, I don't know. I it don't would know. be. I think I you know I'm not just saying this selfishly. I, I think it would be good to bench him to save his confidence i guess yeah if he's part of the plans at all going forward he does need a reset he's he's been totally terrible totally totally bottomed out kyle can we actually start garrett wilson and Brees hall in the fantasy semifinals i mean they are somehow favorites 36 and a half total trevor simeon has not been it in his brief time under center (laughs) for the jets what are are we doing with with our should-be fantasy superstars and garrett wilson and Brees hall yeah, I mean, I want to say you should temper your expectations, but you've had to do that in every game except for the first one, which we didn't know who'd be, you know, who would end up playing in that game or more than not. But like you said, they're favorites in this game and their team total, I believe, is at 20 points on the dot. Yes, 20 on the dot. It's not good, but that's fine. That's what a functional team looks like. It's it's above the Jags right now. It's just below the all of a sudden good Jake Browning bangles. And it's really not that far off from teams like the Ravens or or even the Packers. So Vegas projects them to be a perfectly fine offense. And these are the two players who get the ball on every play in this offense. You kind of have to play them unless like, if you're not playing them, you should also be like going out and betting the commanders essentially. And I don't have that much confidence in myself to be like consistently beating Vegas on this kind of take. Either of you have a take on the commanders backfield. Brian Robinson was back at practice Thursday. Antonio Gibson kind of like quasi benched last week. A lot of Chris Rodriguez run. Do we care about any of these runners for the fantasy semi fantasy semis? I mean, kind of because the Jets are the most extreme run funnel in the league. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, if Robinson doesn't go, I kind of think Rodriguez is somewhat interesting. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not Gibson. Whatever whatever the calculus is, yeah. it ain't Gibson. <laughs> no, it's not Gibson. It has never been Gibson. It will never. Gibson probably not someone giving a speech to all of us but what if it's Gibson <laughs> well we hadn't considered what, that. what if it's Gibson <laughs> it will never be Antonio Gibson it will never be commanders jets are moving on the Packers are roughly five point favorites for a Panthers road date that will be filled with cheese heads in Charlotte Kyle's gonna be there putting on a cheese head <laughs> very, very, uh, transplant local citizen who doesn't care at all about the Panthers uh, with Chris, I said with Christian Watson trending and active, he's not practicing again, Kyle. Jaden Reed's also questionable. Uh, with that, like, very confusing information, what is the lay of the land in the Packers receiver court? I think Dontavian Wicks is even on the injury report. What is going on with all these Packers receivers? 
Yeah, Wicks is on the injury report. He's practicing, but limited with, uh, I think, a foot or ankle. I think it's ankle that he's been dealing with for a few games. Uh, it's it's really hard to say right now if Christian Watson comes back. Every time he's been out there, they give him every high-value target, both in the end zone and deep targets. Makes him extremely volatile, but gives him a great ceiling. And Jordan Love generally looks better when he's throwing with Christian Watson on the field. The other note I have is that, as you mentioned, on Tavion Wicks, it's just been really good this year. He leads the team in ESPN's open score, their overall wide receiver score, and he leads the team in yards per route run. Like, I know he has little to no pedigree, essentially, but I do think Wick should, even with Watson back, maybe this doesn't happen until next year, but should be a more mainstay of the three-receiver rotation they run out. Uh, Danny, Packers backfield. A.J. Dillon has resumed practicing. Aaron Jones, like, seems fine, I guess. Uh, yeah. What's going on with Packers backfield? So uh, actually, uh, Lafleur came out on Thursday and said we are uh, very much aware of Aaron Jones's workload and how much we're playing him. They gave him eight touches on the first drive last week, and he said, you know, basically he said, well, we're not going to do that again. Like, like uh, we, we the reason he didn't really play after that is because that's a lot of touches for a guy who's banged up. Uh, so yeah, I mean Aaron Jones is is uh, it's probably touchdown dependent guy, but with with AJ Dillon back in the fold, he probably doesn't see like a, t- a ton of inside the ten work. I don't know. They, this is an ugly. It's a, this is a really ugly environment for the Packers. This Carolina defense, as we've mentioned, is actually pretty decent, and they they don't really have any glaring weaknesses where you can say, oh well, yeah, so and so won't get there, but but he will. I, I don't I don't see it here. I don't I don't see anybody having like a huge day for Green Bay. And if Dylan comes back, you know, the Packers are addicted to AJ Dylan. They just are. They just yeah. they have a problem. Cannot have a problem. not quit him. They do have a problem. And by the way, AJ Dylan's a free agent after this year, and you know that he's going to sign with his buddy Aaron Rodgers within seconds oh of free agency. Uh, curtains for Breesaw. Yeah. And uh, so we have to keep keep tabs on that. But yeah, Aaron Jones is, I don't know, I don't know, a low end RB2, something. No. Yeah, it's right there in that RB2 three borderline. Yeah. This is not a bit. There's just, I couldn't think of anything to say about the Panthers. Do either of yeah. you have anything to say about the Panthers? I, I don't really. I mean, Juba Hubbard sees the ball a whole hell of a lot. But yeah, it, it, you can't even get excited about the volume because they're going to they're get any goal line carries. I mean, the answer is probably no. No, you're hoping he breaks a long one. He's getting a lot of opportunities to do so, and he's good. But like you said, he's not actually getting a layup at the one-yard line. He's getting 20 carries between the 20s. I know all I say is funnel, 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 but the Packers are a run funnel. There you go. There you go. It's Chuba season, according to Denny Carter, RB1 overall. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) wonder if we're getting too sleepy for you to even notice that one. I am a little (laughs) I'm getting a little sleepy myself. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles look to take out their frustrations on the Giants. It's nearly two touchdown home favorites, Denny. is the long-foretold established game script finally going to happen for the Eagles here. They've been wanting to establish it. Haven't been able to do it because they keep losing. Yeah. I mean, teams are are really, really running at a, a very high rate against the uh, the Giants when they have a lead. So if you presume – that Tommy DeVito is not going to make this game interesting, then, uh, then yeah, I mean, they're probably, the Eagles are probably going to establish it, but their, their run game is struggling. Like, like, you know, you look at EPA numbers, success rate, everything, all the peripheral stuff. Like they're just, they're just struggling to, to do they not have a power back. Like I ranted they, about, how did this team not sign a power running back? I well, don't they, again, they, they did, did. They scratch them every week. 
They did, and yeah, he apparently he's not worthy of playing. No. Uh, so we're we're sad about that with Rashad Penny being on all my best ball teams. So, <laughs> Do you have teams that advance that have him? Because I one hundred percent have a team that I'm like, dang, if Rashad Penny gets an active and plays and a touchdown. We're headed to the next round, boys. Pete, uh, Pete Overzet, I, I drafted a, a best ball team with Pete in the summer, yeah. and he actually told me uh, that it, we needed six points from Penny on Monday night uh, to advance <laughs> to the uh, semifinals. Of the, How many did he get? I didn't check, but did um, he get six? I haven't checked yet, but I, he did not get six. I believe it was mm-hmm. 0.0, or did he actually play? No, he, he definitely didn't. didn't play. He hasn't 0. played since 2020. 0.0. What were, what were we saying? Uh, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Be right. yeah, lots of lots of running, lots of running. There you go. Uh, there you go, Denny. We're also sticking. I got some weird sequencing issues in my document near the end here. <laughs> uh, what's it looking like for Devonte and Dallas Goddard behind AJ Brown? Weird uh, stuff has been afoot with these targets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over the past two weeks, it, AJ Brown has resumed his like massive dominant role, thirty-eight percent target share, being targeted on thirty-seven percent of his routes, which is really high. I mean, oh, yeah, it's right. not that Devontae Smith has fallen off the face of the earth. He Devontae Smith has 15 targets to 22 targets for A.J. Brown over those two games. Dallas Goddard has mixed in, but everything is near the line of scrimmage. And that's fine for PPR. We, we're fine with that. A little scammy, scammy situation. Uh, 20% target share for Goddard. Uh, we saw his routes increase a little bit last week. So that's that's not bad. That's not bad. We can We can go with that. We can go with that. Kyle, do we care about Saquon Barkley and Darren Waller for the fantasy semifinals? Seems like even with as struggling as the Eagles defense has been, it seems hard to trust any giant in this game environment. Yeah, you are still you are potentially still playing Saquon Barkley, but like I'm gonna have Ty Chandler ranked over him this week, like kind of easily too. Yeah. So and I mean really the problem is last week Matt Rita ran more routes than Saquon Barkley. They're even like getting Eric Gray on the field. Somewhat understandably, the season is lost. Saquon Barkley believes in a pending free agent and wants to get that bag. Don't don't make him touch the ball a lot. Let him walk into free agency comfortably and get some money. And it seems like they're doing that. So no. And Darren Waller rent kind of the same situation, except they will just need him for the next year. I don't know if he's a free agent or not. I assume not. But either way, he's a 30-something-year-old veteran who's been banged up for three to four years. It's a lost season, and they're scaling up, you know, they're scaling up his work slowly, let's say. No, I don't think I'm playing either of these guys. You you may need to play Barkley. You certainly do not need to play Waller in really any circumstance. That's a good way to, to put it. If you need to play Saquon, there's still a reasonable path, like 15 touches. But yeah. um, one thing I gotta mention it, okay, because I found this stat and I didn't have much to talk about in this game, so I'll just mention it. <laughs> Eagles Eagles are allowing the second highest target share to guys from the slot. Darren Waller uh, operating from the slot quite a bit. There we go. I mean, Darren Waller right on the borderline of tight end. I think I'm like tight end 14. Maybe it was 15. I could not get him into the top 12, but he could catch a five or six passes. That'd be a good game, five or six. But it, it's not like some huge leap of faith to get five catches from Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Bears look to rebound from last Sunday's heartbreaking loss as healthy home favorites against the Cardinals, Kyle. Is this a wide receiver one bounce back spot for DJ Moore after points were left on the field um, last Sunday? Yeah. Oh, boy, were they. Oh, boy, were they. Last <laughs> uh, Justin Fields had more points, fantasy points, lost to drops than any other player in the league, obviously because he had a 50-yard touchdown and a long Cole Komet, or uh, not Cole Komet, Robert Tunyon, 
all players. Long catch both dropped, but this is a great spot for this offense to catch their passes, hopefully, because the Cardinals are 31st in EPA per drop back allowed. Really, the only reason they don't give up the most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks slash wide receivers is that teams haven't generally needed to throw the ball 40 plus times on them. But yeah, this is a great efficiency spot, and that's what DJ Moore excels at. Then the other side, can we even stream Kyler Murray? Marquise Brown seems like he's trending towards getting shut down. Kyler has not been having a good season passing. He's not really getting home with the running stuff. No. He doesn't feel like a QB1 to me this week, that's for sure. No, no, no. He's not a QB1. I think the only thing he has going for him is that teams have really turned uh, toward the pass against Chicago since since the Chicago defense sort of got better uh, after, the, after they acquired uh, – sweat at the trade deadline uh week 10 since week 10 uh teams are passing a neutral pass rate against the bears of 66 percent that leads the entire nfl so it could get could see a lot of dropbacks here should be a lot of plays between these two teams but i mean it's it's this is based on not on on matchup because the bears are are solid it's based on hopefully kyler gets 40 plus dropbacks here i just this is my classic bit this week i wrote bears backfield lol I mean, oh no, this is it's horrible. Do we um, care? But it's an LOL I mean, situation for it's, sure. It's three guys. It's feel. I mean, fields fields would hurt uh, this backfield if it were two guys. So with three guys, <laughs> don't, like, don't, don't mess with it. Makes a lot of sense. Don't mess with it. If someone absolutely has to play a Bears running back, is it Roshan after it is last Roshan, week? I think it's Roshan. We regret to inform it is Roshan. We regret to inform the next game exists and the game that absolutely no one on planet Earth is asking for, least of all me, because I have to blurb it. Uh, the New England Patriots have to spend Christmas Eve and quote in power field at Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado. The Broncos are roughly touchdown favorites, Denny Carter. What, if anything, though, do we care about in this Patriots offense? Uh, that the Broncos are very generous to opposing tight ends and Bailey Zappi seems to have a thing for Hunter Henry. Also, we talk about the middle of the field, the moff, the Zoomers are calling it the oh, moff. Listen, they've got to stop. They've got to stop. So the Broncos are getting crushed in the moff. Okay. <laughs> Their moff is being destroyed and, uh, that, that, that should be good for, <laughs> for Hunter Henry and for pop Douglas. I think both those guys are somewhat, Interesting, but woo, this game is bleak, bleak. You know, big what? game for Pop to crush them off. Good <laughs> oh, God. Good God. <laughs> coming from Kyle, who lives in the town, the city in America with the most nope. abbreviation. You can't even say it on air. You definitely can't say it on air. You cannot say it on air. By the way, if I wanted to be taken seriously as a fantasy option, uh, as Pop does, I would simply not sound like I was a 1942 receiver for the Akron Roughnecks or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pop. No one's been known pop since before the Depression. <laughs> so go this to game, By the way, this Broncos Patriots game will give you depression. <laughs> I don't even know. Why. I didn't even try to get anyone else to do this game. I felt like I was trying to be a good leader. Like I'll do the oh nice Eve <laughs> night game. And then I'll really stick it to Kyle on Christmas Day. <laughs> that was not you. He volunteered. <laughs> so thank God he did. He is serving his blurb country. Kyle, so you get this, the final word on the show. What, if anything, do we care about in this Broncos offense? I mean, Cortland Sutton does that thing where – Denny, has he appeared in regression files a ton and then you kind of stopped? I assume you, like, gave up or something. What, I what did. <laughs> I've, been, I've been beaten into submission by Cortland Sutton. And then, and then – 
he he posted a dud last week, right? Mm-hmm. He did. Well, I didn't have him in there last week. <laughs> I mean, like he can't get away with it every week, but he has gotten away with it most weeks. He does see a lot of the team's end zone work, targets in the red zone, and overall a great share of the high value opportunities. It's he's outperforming. To be fair, you know, I, I think he should score a lot of touchdowns. Should he score two to five every week? We're you know looking into those numbers, but you're absolutely playing him. And Javante's had really strong splits in games where his team wins because although he does draw a reasonable a reasonable amount of targets, they're early down targets. He's not the third down option. He's not the two minute drill option. So he does really benefit from positive game script. This looks like one of those games. Really, really good stuff from Kyle Dvorak, Denny Carter. Um, we hope we've prepared you for the fantasy semifinals. Um, man, yeah, check out the regression files. A lot of great stuff in there. Check out Stardom Sidem. Always great stuff from Kyle. 32 stats. I'm going to keep my rankings updated throughout the holiday weekend. We hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend. A Merry Christmas. Um, yeah, we're going to be blurbing it all up. The whole team working the holidays. Um, we're we're, we're there for you. The, 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 the football-consuming public, we're there for you. We are there for you. Um, so thank you so much for listening all year. We will be back next week. We will not be here Sunday evening uh, for understandable reasons. Christmas Eve night, we will not be doing a recap podcast. We do apologize. It stinks to miss the pod. Not tenable for a variety of reasons. So we won't be there, but we'll be back on Tuesday. For Kyle, for Denny, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week. <laughs>